0: It can be found printed on the back of your bulletin insert, should you like to follow along. It's from uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, the book of Jeremiah, 31st chapter. As we prepare to listen to these words, let us pray. God of many names and beyond all names, we give you thanks that you know us by one name, which is Beloved. As we read and listen to these ancient words, we pray that we might be attentive to hear a word for us this day. In the power of spirit, we pray, amen. The days are surely coming, says our God, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down, to overthrow and destroy and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant. In those days they shall no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but all shall die for their own transgressions, the teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be on edge. The days are surely coming, says our God, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors which I, when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Holy One. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each one, know God. For they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity. And remember them no more. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: Our second scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 18th chapter and can also be found on the back of your bulletin insert. But I would invite you, should you wish, if you don't want to read along, to simply close your eyes and receive these words as your heart might. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to God's own people who cry out day and night? Will the Holy One delay long in helping them? I tell you, God will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Humanity comes, will he find faith on earth? When I first looked at this morning's scripture readings, I was intrigued. It just so happens that I clearly remember the seminary class in which we were discussing this morning's Jeremiah passage. Further supporting the reputation that one of my professors later told me that I had, I raised my hand and said, I don't get it. (laughs) Oh, well. How is it possible that the parents' teeth the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth have been set on edge how do we hear this morning connect this fairly opaque passage about sour grapes and teeth being set on edge with our gospel reading which highlights systematic injustice clarity or increased clarity, I believe, will be most easily gained if we pause for a moment and take these two passages one at a time. In order to understand what is being said in Jeremiah, we have to go all the way back to Exodus, the 20th chapter. As part of the Ten Commandments, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make for yourself an idol whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation. So the news that we hear in Jeremiah about sour grapes is big news. We are no longer responsible for misdeeds committed by our ancestors Each individual God will hold responsible for their own actions, their own decisions. This new arrangement between God and humanity is workable only because the basis for this new holy relationship between God and human shifts in the sentence that follows. I will put my law within them. (coughs) And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, "No God, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Humanity's relationship with God is no longer an externally imposed holy law to be followed, It is an internal heart knowledge of the love God holds for all of us and our actions that naturally grow out of that love. It is within this context that I find our gospel passage absolutely fascinating. Through it, we glimpse life thousands of years after God's proclamation through Jeremiah. And yet a woman in the most precarious position a woman could be in is having to continually beg for justice. Widows had no legal standing, no rights, and other than children were probably the most easily taken advantage of. The judge Whom apparently had been presiding over her case, we are told has no fear of God and no respect for anyone. So we can be pretty sure that God's law has not been written on his heart. The only reason that he acquiesces to the woman's demands is to silence her. Now, As someone born to US parents, raised solely in the US, and therefore acculturated to the ferocious individualism of the US, when I think back to my confusion about the sour grapes and how they could possibly set the children's teeth on edge, I do get it. That is not how we in this country are taught to think, at least those of us in the dominant culture. Yet the widow's experience reveals something wholly different. Those of us that do feel the tugs and nudges of a righteous God cannot assume that others feel the same. We cannot assume, in other words, that God is done Writing In January of 2017, we were given an opportunity to peek behind the veil of the dominant culture into the lives of those begging for justice. On January 3rd of that year, legislation entitled H.R. 40 was introduced to Congress by then-Representative John Conyers. The bill proposes that Congress form a committee, quote, to address the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of slavery in the United States and the 13 American colonies between 1619 and 1865, and to establish a commission to study and consider a national apology and a proposal for reparations for the institution of slavery, its subsequent de jure and de facto racial and economic discrimination against African Americans and the impact of these forces on living African Americans, to make recommendations to Congress on appropriate remedies and for other purposes, end quote. As you might imagine, there is some controversy around this bill. YouTube has oodles of clips of anything from Ben Shapiro, the editor and chief of The Daily Wire, who, while being interviewed on Fox News, said that the complications with such a plan make it, quote, totally unworkable, unquote. His proof statements begin with Barack Obama's white mother and black father, and then they go on from there. You can also pull up Tanahasi Coates' amazing address to Congress, or Jason Johnson, a contributor to theroots.com, who said eloquently, I don't care about happiness. I care about a nation that is justified. Now this stopped me. What is justified? If something is justified, like the angle of a doorway, which is where the expression comes from, a plumb line can be dropped down the side of the angle, and it will hang completely straight with no deviation from the 90-degree angle to which it is attached. It is straight up and straight down. In Christianity, we use this image to mean living in a manner that is right with God. There are other voices, like Michael Cantrell, Contributor to Young Conservatives and Alan West, among other publications. He writes So it is totally okay, apparently, to punish someone for a crime they never committed? Taxpayers are already stretched to the limit. So, how in the world are the middle and lower classes, the folks who pay the most taxes, going to possibly afford paying for reparations? This is pure insanity. He goes on. There's no doubt that slavery was a blight on our country's wonderful history and flies in the face of the principles of liberty that we cherish so dearly. However, forcing reparations using the power of the federal government is not the right way to handle this delicate situation." End quote. And yet slavery was a state-sanctioned institution. After being legally abolished, its oppressive nature was kept alive through Jim Crow, redlining, and sundown towns, which were all enforced using the power of the governments, whether local or federal. And this is to say nothing of the terrorism that was unleashed on a regular basis, either in the form of lynchings or simply strategically placed comments. Now I know that there are many would like to let the past be and stay in the past. But the children's teeth are still being set on edge by the sour grapes their parents have eaten. The widow is still begging for justice and only receiving it when it serves to silence her. So as we wait For God to finish writing God's law within us and be relieved of the necessity of saying no God, what are we called to do as a people as an individual, as followers of the one who bids us listen to what the unjust judge says. I think there are a number of things that we are called to to do. First, I think we are called to join with those begging for justice, for that is certainly one place that our faith will be found on earth. But I also think that these actions, however they manifest in our lives, because they will be different for each one of us, must be rooted in something unshakable, something that goes beyond law or legislation. These actions must be rooted in what is written on our hearts, something we know without doubt, for only then will we have the power of the widow. You see, my friends, love does Win, maybe not in our lifetimes. We may never see the fruits of our actions in our generation, but whether or not we see them, we must know, we must know, love does win. So will you say it with me? Love wins. Love wins. wins. And that is how faith will be found on earth. Amen? Amen?